Welcome to Gateway's podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Don Brock. For more information about Gateway, please visit www.gatewaybc.com. My granddaughter, Cyrus, she's just a mess. And she she is so funny. She makes us laugh all the time. And uh, Mac, he has his house set up where... You know, you just say things like, you know, tell Google to turn the TV on, t- turn the lights off, whatever. And so there was some music playing through the house sound system. And <clears throat> Cyrus decided to do an experiment. And she said, hey, Google, turn up the sound as loud as it will go. And it was just blowing the house out. And of course, she couldn't say Google turn the music down because Google couldn't hear her with all that, with all that noise. And so it took a while for somebody to be able to get in there and turn the sound down. But I'm glad I wasn't there at that moment, but, uh, you never know how that little mind's going to work like our little minds and how they work sometimes. But, uh, anyway, I hope you're, uh, had a great Thanksgiving and looking forward to, uh, your Christmas time. And I know it is different this year, uh, but I hope that you can make the most of it. And uh, we want to welcome those who are watching us online, and we're glad that you are with us. And just a reminder, uh, the Sunday before Christmas, we're going to share in communion together. And so those of you who are watching online, you can get prepared for that and uh, have communion ready as a family and share in that so that uh, you can join with us when we have that communion time in the service. And then Christmas Eve, we're going to have three services uh, two o'clock, four, and six. Uh, we will not do communion like we normally do because it will be very difficult with the people. Uh, but uh, I hope that you will uh, be prepared for that to come and as we share together. And then let me let you know about one other thing. The Sunday after Christmas, uh, we're not going to have services here live. We are going to have them online. And so we'll have it at nine o'clock and at 1030 and the service will be available then. But it's, it's a challenging day for volunteers and, and all that goes on. So uh, we're going to take the day off from being here on campus, but we're still having worship. And uh, so we actually are preparing a devotional for you and your family uh, to share on that day as you then participate in our, in our online service. So just get that in your brain uh, so that you can be prepared for that. Well, we've been studying <clears throat> through just two verses. And these two verses actually change. I mean, they change everything. If these two verses are true, then so much hinges on these two verses. And, and I want to, to encourage you about, as we study this, that these two verses, the descriptions that are given are alterating, just life-changing descriptions. And so if these verses are true, then all of humanity is in the balance based on these two verses. Your, your life is in the balance based on these two verses. Your soul is on the line based on these two verses. So as we approach these verses and we're unpackaging these four names given to Jesus Uh, over these four Sundays, it's a reminder to me 
I've got to take God's word seriously. I've got to take his word very seriously. Because he certainly does. So let's read the verses again in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. For a child is born to us. Uh, that's the humanity of Jesus, that he did become fully human. He was 100% a human being. A son is given to us. That's his deity. Uh, he was born divine. He, he was not created at Christmas he was never created. He's always been. And so there was always the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They've always had perfect fellowship with each other for all eternity in the past. And then last week we talked about this part of the verse. The government will rest on his shoulders. He will have the burden of the government of the entire universe, not just one country, the entire universe, and his are the only shoulders that will be able to hold that and handle that and be successful with it. And he will be called, and these are the four names, these two word names that were given to Jesus, wonderful counselor. So we're to seek the counsel of God. And then today we're going to unpackage the second to the dual name of mighty God. And and then it says, Everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. Those will come up the next two Sundays. His government and its peace will never end. So once this occurs, and this is going to occur when Jesus returns the second time, when he comes back a second time, his government and his peace that he's bringing will never end. There'll never be war again. There'll never be any other battles to be fought. I mean, this begins eternity future, and it's, it's going to be beautiful. It's going to be perfect. It's going to be amazing. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor, David. Now, the reason that's in there is because of a promise that was given and, uh, and, and the, uh, a prophecy was made <clears throat> that from the line of David will come this king that will be for all eternity, the savior, the Messiah. And uh, David was promised that his throne will be in place for all eternity. So this is just a reminder of that promise made that he will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor, David, for all eternity. I mean, that's, this is it. This is, this is the deal. This is what's going to come, and this is what's going to happen. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. No one... No thing, no amount of size of army or weapon has any chance against the Lord and his heavenly army. So this is a done deal. Now, if I thought that there was somebody who could overthrow the Lord, if there was somebody who was more powerful than angels, then maybe there's a chance that this might not happen. But that person doesn't exist. I mean, one single angel 
can wipe out humanity. You think about the power of just one angel and God's armies, the Lord himself, he doesn't even need his angels. The Lord himself, we're going to see in a moment, just the power of Jesus is going to be described to us. And God says, this is going to happen. You can count on it. I will make it happen. So I'm, I'm willing, and I hope you are willing, I'm betting my eternal soul that this is true. I'm putting my eternal soul on the line that this is true. These two verses. Jump back, if you would, to Deuteronomy chapter 10, verses 16 and 17 uh, and 18. He says, therefore, change your hearts. That's a decision of the will. And so this is a challenge I want to give to you. Change your hearts and stop being stubborn. Man, if there ever was there a perfect description of the human heart, it's that right there. Stop being stubborn. I mean, do you, you have some friends that facts just don't mean anything? I mean, you, you could try to tell them things and you could show all the evidence and it doesn't matter. They, they, they're really, they don't want to, they've already made up their mind. They don't want to be bothered with the truth because they've already made up their mind. And, and now you talk about stubborn, that's being stubborn. That you're not even willing to look at the facts because you've already decided. And, and the human heart is, that's just the nature of that human heart. We're so stubborn and and, and the Bible is saying, hey, you need to change your hearts and you got to stop being so stubborn. And here's why. So listen to what he says. For the Lord, your God, is the God of gods. There's none greater. He's the Lord of lords. There's none more powerful, none even equal to. He is the great God. The mighty, there's that word, that phrase, that name that we've got back in Isaiah chapter 9. The mighty God. And then he adds another word, the awesome God. You know, I used to use the word awesome very flippantly. Oh, that was awesome. <laughs> oh, that meal was just incredible. That meal was awesome. That was the most awesome thing I've ever tasted. And that's the most awesome thing I've ever done. And, you know, I, when, when I started really studying the word awesome from the biblical standpoint, I realized, you know, this is a very special word. And maybe I need to reserve how I use this word. And, and so I've actually changed my vocabulary that I reserve this word for God alone. And, and here's why. When you really get down to the definition of awesome, it, it means to be filled with awe, to be overwhelmed with a sense of reverence, admiration, and fear. So the definition of awesome, especially that word fear, changed how I used that word. Because the Bible says, fear God. 
Fear God. Don't be afraid of anybody else. Don't be afraid of anything else, but fear God. Fear the one that has control of your soul, the destiny of your soul. Fear the one that can destroy your soul, and that's God himself, no one else. So when I read that God, this awesome God, to, to fear him, and that's one of the descriptions of him, that's why I only use the word awesome in describing God, because that's such a special word. For the Lord your God is the God of gods, the Lord of lords. He is the great God, the mighty God, the awesome God, who shows no partiality and cannot be bribed. In other words, when he examines you, you you cannot buy your way out of your predicament. There's nothing that you can do to influence him. Your pedigree means absolutely nothing. Your education doesn't hold any water. I mean, the only thing that he examines is what did you do with my son Jesus? That's the only question that's on the table. So if that is the only question that's on the table is what have you done about Jesus and that he is going to judge you based on that and nothing else. Well, that really changes some things and I need to change my heart and stop being so stubborn about Jesus. Then it goes on to say, he ensures that orphans and widows receive justice. He he shows love to the, uh, watch this. He shows love to the foreigners living among you and gives them food and clothing. Let me me tell you how important that is right there. Uh, I think that verse applies to us and how we accept people and, and take care of people and especially those who are in trouble, especially widows and orphans, that they have a special place in God's heart. Therefore, they are to have a special place in our heart. But l- listen to this. You and I, if, if unless you're Jewish by birth, you and I are foreigners to God's family, his chosen people. We're, we're the foreigners. And he graciously accepts us on the basis of what do you do with Jesus? So you and I are the foreigners. And he loves us. And he cares about us. And according to this, you know, he, he clothes us and, and he feeds us. He clothes us spiritually. And he feeds us with the bread of life. Jesus talked about himself being the bread. In fact, in the book of Revelation, when Jesus was talking, he said, you know, some of you, you think you're rich and everything, but the reality is you're not rich and well clothed. You're, you're naked and you're poor and you need to ask of me to give you what you really need. That's what you really need. What have you done about Jesus? Jesus. And so when 
I accept Christ, I'm no longer a foreigner, I'm adopted into the family. So I guess when I read this verse, bottom line is I need to care about what God cares about. I need to care about the things that God cares about. And he cares about people. So therefore I care about people. And he cares about those who cannot take care of themselves and especially the orphans and the widows. And, and, and he cares about those that are in need, especially those who are in spiritual need. He cares about them. So therefore I must care about them. Psalms 24, eight said, who is the king of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, invincible in battle, which means he can never be beat. I mean, when you read about the battle that's yet to happen, the battle at Armageddon, and I've been on that battlefield, and, and I've been there looking down upon where that thing is going to happen, I don't worry about who's going to win, I mean, it's already a done deal. It's set. It's going to happen. And how foolish it is to go against holy God knowing he's already won. So again, I go back to, are you going to change your hearts and your stubbornness and start looking at God and looking at God through truth and seeing things the way God sees things? Isaiah 10, verse 21, it says, a remnant will return. Yes, a remnant of Jacob will return to the mighty God. And in spite of judgment on Israel, a remnant was going to return to the land and they were going to trust in the Lord. I, I want to tell you, I really believe that one of the reasons the full measure of judgment has not hit our land the way that it probably should is because of the remnant of God's people for our sake. And, and it's, it's not because we can't handle God's judgment because, you know, it doesn't matter what happens. When I die, I'm going to heaven. But it matters that we have the opportunity to help fulfill the Great Commission. So for our sake, to finish our glorious assignment from Jesus Christ himself, that's why judgment has not come. So that we can complete the purpose that God has given to us. In Isaiah 11, verse four and five, it says, he will give justice to the poor and make fair decisions for the exploited. The earth, now I want you to see the massive response to what seems like to be a small thing. The earth will shake at the force of his word. So Jesus only has to say a word and the whole earth will shake. Imagine that power just from a word. And one breath from his mouth 
will destroy the wicked. So you see the power of this Jesus of ours? I mean, he can just send out a breath and all the wicked on the planet drop dead. I mean, what power can you relate that to? The earth will shake at the force of his word and one breath from his mouth will destroy the wicked. He will wear righteousness like a belt and truth like an undergarment. See, the belt holds everything together. And this verse tells me Jesus is ready for conflict. (laughs) Righteousness and faithfulness, it's ready to do battle with the evils of this world. And the battle's already already determined. Now, this verse is not in your note, but I thought it was important to put in here. Proverbs 14, 31, listen to this. Those who oppress the poor insult their maker, but helping the poor honors him. Wow. Based on what that verse says, it is an affront to God to not help those in need. Those who oppress the poor insult their maker. I was on a podcast recently. Um, it was a. It was actually a documentary that was made, and uh, I was asked to kind of be the the Christian theologian to represent the Christian biblical side of how we are to deal with world hunger and poverty in this world. And, and uh, my daughter, since that's her big thing, what she does and, and the program that she leads at Auburn, uh, she was on there as well. And, and so we were interviewed and we were asked questions. And, um, and so this, uh, this documentary has since been sent to every House of Representative and every senator in the U.S. Congress. And uh, so it was really cool to be a part of that. And, and so they just, you know, in prepping me, they just said, hey, you're here just to represent what God says. And I said, I can do that. And because I, I don't know what I think. <laughs> I can tell you what God thinks based on what the word says. And this was the verse I used. I said, you know, here's a verse that pretty much gives me a mandate. And I I shared this verse and I said to them, I said, it's an affront to holy God to not help those in need, period. And that's why we as a church, that's why we give extra offering on Christmas Eve. We take up that special offering and it's divided among three ministries in our city that directly help those in need who are hungry, who need clothing, who need housing. Uh, and that's why we give extra to that. We do it all through the year. That's why so many of you volunteered recently uh, to pack these boxes full of food so that families could at least have a wonderful turkey dinner uh, for Thanksgiving. And, and so 
Some of you joyfully volunteer for that. But we do stuff year-round in helping in that way. And of course, the biggest hunger that's out there is a spiritual hunger and we're to provide the spiritual food, the bread of life, Jesus himself. So it's not an either or, it's a both and, and it's an affront to God when we don't help people who are in need, whether it's spiritually or physically. So I've got to care about what God cares about. Samuel said to David, your house and your kingdom will continue before me for all time and your throne will be secure forever. And that's why Jesus is in the lineage of David. Now, I want to jump to the New Testament because I think this helps us to understand a little bit more about this mighty God. In the first five verses of John chapter one, in the beginning, the word already existed. So Jesus was not created. Later on in chapter one, it tells us and the word became flesh. So we know that this is Jesus. And uh, the Greek word here is logos, but we, we know this is Jesus. And, and uh, he tells us so later. So when Jesus was born, that's not his creation. He was already there. He, Jesus was not created. He was God. So in the beginning, the word already existed. And the word was with God and the word was God. Now, there's some face, and I, I don't like to name them, but I think I need to because i got to call it out. Uh, like the Jehovah Witnesses, they don't believe that Jesus was God. And if you were to read a Jehovah Witnesses Bible, and if you went to John chapter 1, and you were to read this verse, they added a single letter to this phrase. And their Bible says, the word was with God, and the word was a God. There are many gods. Polytheism. They, they, thought there, they think there are many gods, but they didn't believe Jesus was equal to holy God. Well, it's amazing how one little letter can change the meaning. But if you went back to the original Greek, that letter's not there. He existed in the beginning with God. He was God. God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. So everything physical was created by him. But then it says, and the word gave life to everything that was created. That means life to the plants, life to the animals, life to the human race. And his life brought light to everyone. So it's available to everyone. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. In the beginning, the word. Hmm. You see, light's nature dispels darkness. Jesus is the life. Jesus is the light. Of men. 
You know, when I think of that little baby that we're going to celebrate his birth in a few weeks, and those tiny hands as he's wrapped up, just, just try to close your eyes and imagine back in that original manger, which was a cave over there in Bethlehem, and and Mary's holding Jesus in her arms, and those tiny hands and fingers were probably wrapped around her big finger, and, and those tiny hands created everything that is. Those tiny little hands gave life to everything that has life. And I absolutely believe this, that those tiny little hands, while they were in the arms of Mary, were still holding the universe together. Because the Bible teaches us that the universe is held together by the hand of God. If he were to let go, the universe would cease to exist. And he holds it all together. That's why nothing can defeat him. That's why there's no one that has authority or power over him. Matthew 1.1 1, 1 said, this is a record of the ancestors of Jesus the Messiah, a descendant of David. Mighty God. Mighty God. So Isaiah 9, 6 declares both the humanity and the deity of Jesus. And he's telling us about a day that's coming when Jesus is going to return and his name is wonderful there's nothing dull about his reign. His name is Counselor. His wisdom is right. His name is Mighty God. He has the power to execute his plans. I, I want you to look at this photo. You probably have seen it on the internet. Uh, but I, I want you to look at this photo and I want you to think for a moment. There's a line. And there's an end to the line, and then eternity starts. Whether you go to heaven or hell, when you reach the end of that line, you're going to one or the other. Well, here's the deal. The day you were born, you got in that line. And you're still in that line. As long as you're here, you're still in the line. And one day you're going to reach the end of that line. You have no idea when that's going to be. But today, you're one step closer than you were yesterday. Now, here's the kicker. You don't know where you are in the line. And there could be, you, you might be an old person like me, and there might be a, a young teenager standing right in front of you. Just this past week, one of the high school students at AC Flora died in a car wreck. It was so tragic. We, we hear about high school students losing their lives. It's so sad. But, I mean, my point is you don't know where you are in that line, but you're in the line. And 
it doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter what family you were born into. It doesn't matter how much money you got or don't have. It doesn't matter what your pedigree is, how much education you got or you don't have. Everybody's in the exact same line. Now, if, you, if you've ever gone to Disney during a busy time, which is 365 days a year, if you've ever been to Disney and you get into one of those lines and they're going back and forth, back and forth, you know, I was convinced the more I stood out like this and looked, it would go faster, but it never did. I just thought it would. But that line, you know, you, you know, I know where I'm at in the line, but I have no idea when I'm going to reach the end of the line. And, um, and then there are these people that came along, they had these fast passes. And you, you learn to hate those people. Uh, and they just walk right past you in that pass, fast pass line. And you just kind of resented that. Uh, well, this line, there is no fast pass. It's just one line. And, and, and at Disney, if you're really, really rich and you can spend a couple of extra thousand dollars, you can have an individual tour guide that takes you all over in your little crew and you stand in no lines, not even the fast pass line. You just go immediately to the front of the line. There's no such thing in this line either. Everybody's in the same line. You just don't know where you are in that line. But the day's coming you're going to be at the end of the line. And that's when eternity starts for you. Now, the thing about being in that line, there's only one question that matters. What have you done about Jesus? Period. No other question matters. Are you going to allow your stubbornness keep you from considering the truth about Jesus as we just read in scripture. You might have somebody a lot older standing in the line behind you. You might have a little kid standing in the line in front of you. You just don't know. But you're in that line. I guarantee you that. And the day is going to come when you're going to reach the end of the line. There, there's only one hope you got. There's only one chance about you not reaching the end of the line. And that is if you happen to be alive and you're a believer when the rapture comes. But other than that, you're in that line. You know, I, I've shared with some of you before, you know, when my, my dad died when I was 12 and about a week before he died, um, he was still working. And even though he was battling cancer, he was still going to work. I didn't know he was going to die. And um, I didn't want to go to school that day. And I was playing, you know, playing pretend sick. Did you ever do that? Was, yeah, of course you did. And you, you felt really bad. You felt sick. And, and then I, it was amazing how when... Uh, school started, you all of a sudden felt really better. And, um, but anyway, I was, I just wasn't going, I didn't want to go to school that day. And here my dad was a week away from dying and he was going to work and, and he came in, he took me into his room cause they had a TV in their room and, um, <clears throat> he set me up in the bed and he was telling me, you know, I hope you feel better here. Let's find a TV show that you can watch. And he, 
we found one. I, I remember everything that was said. I remember everything. I mean, this, even though I was, I was 12, I remember it all. I remember he turned on the TV and there was a movie on called Geronimo. And, uh, and so he set it up and he was telling me about the movie and who Geronimo was. And I got, so I sat there and watched that movie. And, um, and then he had a conversation with me. And it was a private conversation just between the two of us. I had no idea it was the last conversation I was going to have with him. But it, I remember every word. And it had an absolutely huge impact on my life. And I kind of think he knew that that might be his last conversation with his son. Hmm. What would you say to somebody if you knew it was your last conversation? Well, in Revelation 22, on uh, five different occasions, Jesus, actually four, Jesus had a last conversation and so you would think, just like my dad, I, I think what he told me was what he thought was very important for me to know. He had already led me to the Lord, so I, he knew I was saved, but there were some things he wanted to make sure I knew. And so here's Jesus, and he's given some of his last words, and here's what he says. Revelation 22, 7. Look, I am coming soon. Blessed are those who obey the words of the prophecy written in this book. Now that just tells me I need to know what Jesus has to say, and I need to obey everything he says. Because I want to be blessed. Then he says in verse 12 and 13, Look, I am coming soon. I'm bringing my reward with me to repay all people according to their deeds, whether we obeyed his words or not. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Oh, and by the way, I'm everything in between. I'm it. And in verse 16, he, he says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this message for the churches. I am both the source of David and the heir to his throne. Always going all the way back to the promise given to David and going all the way back to Isaiah chapter 9. I am the bright morning star. In other words, when I come back, that's when life really begins. And then one last time in verse 20, it's like he's saying, hey, in case you missed it the last, last three times I said it, I am coming soon. Do those last words resonate with you? If Jesus is coming soon, what am I doing to be ready for that? When am I going to stop living for my selfishness and live for his glory? When am I going to start caring about what he cares about. Let's pray.